Greetings, everyone, and welcome to our weekly podcast on legal issues in the post-COVID world. My name is Gil Porter, a partner at Haynes & Boone and chair of our COVID-19 task force. Today is Friday, May 22nd, and we have a fantastic panel of guests who are going to discuss issues related to insurance recovery on COVID-related claims and and concerns in post-COVID world. We will have a guest moderator today, Adrian Azer, a partner in our insurance recovery practice, and he will introduce our fellow panelists. I will turn this over to Adrian in a moment, but first, our disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only, is not intended to be legal advice, and does not establish an attorney-client relationship. Moreover, by its nature, the topics we discuss on these podcasts will be fast-moving, subject to change. Legal advice of any nature should be sought from your legal counsel. That's it for me right now. I'll chat with you at the end, but let me turn it over to Adrian, and you can take it from here. Adrian? Thanks, Gail. This is Adrian Hazer, a partner in the Washington, D.C. office in the Insurance Recovery Group. And with me, we have Ernest Martin, a partner in the Dallas office and the head of the Insurance Recovery Group. We also have Leslie Thorne, who is a partner in the Austin office, also in the Insurance Recovery Group and co-chair of the firm's litigation practice. Today, we're going to discuss how insurance has, is going to be applied to COVID-19 losses, given that this has impacted almost every industry in the United States. We're going to touch on how insurers have responded, what we have seen, and how to make sure you preserve your rights uh, with insurers as to COVID-19 losses. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Leslie, if you could give us kind of an overview of what the seminal issues are with respect to coverage for COVID-19 and and how you see um, the litigation across the country developing, uh, I think that'd be a good place to start. You bet. Well, there are a couple of different buckets. Um, Mainly what I think most of us are dealing with right now are the claims for business interruption. Obviously, everybody's business has been hit. And so they're looking for ways to get some coverage for that. And so that sort of coverage you would find potentially under commercial property policies. Um, There are a couple of obstacles that insurance companies have already raised to that. But first, I'd say, generally speaking, most commercial property policies are going to include some kind of coverage for business interruption insurance, basically your lost revenues if your business is interrupted because of a covered cause of loss. Um, And that can also include contingent business interruption, which is where your suppliers or your customers have suffered some losses, and also coverage for losses due to order of civil authority. Obviously, that looms large here where we have a lot of governments, federal, state, and local issuing stay-at-home orders. And so a lot of folks are making claims under the civil authority grant. Um, Carriers on those claims have principally urged two defenses to coverage that I think we're going to talk a little bit about today. One is there's no physical loss here. Um, The fact that there are all these orders or that folks aren't coming to your business because of some virus or fear of a virus uh, is not a physical loss or damage that is covered under the policy. And the other thing that we're seeing over and over again is 
that carriers are saying that exclusions apply. Some policies have uh, different versions of a virus exclusion, and they come in all different forms. Some of them are pretty limited um, that say it excludes damage caused by specific viruses like SARS. Some say they exclude damages that are caused by a virus Um, or some are broader and say that they exclude damages that are uh, caused by or in any way related to directly or indirectly a virus. And so you're seeing a couple of those things. There are also some other exclusions that could potentially come into play such as loss of use exclusions, pollution exclusions. And so we're going to see a lot of those issues litigated and we're starting to see them litigated in the next, uh, in the next few weeks, months, and years. Um, I would be remiss to say, I think we're also going to see other kinds of policies come into play as they relate to COVID. Obviously there are a lot of um, tort claims, shareholder claims that we're seeing, say, against cruise ships. Um, And a lot of those companies are going to be looking to other types of policies, liability policies, um, to cover those kinds of lawsuits. Thanks, Leslie. Ernest, how have you seen the insurance industry dissuade policyholders from giving notice? And what are your recommendations as to giving notice? Thank you, Adrian. Yeah, first and foremost, it's important for businesses if they are uh, attempting to recover business losses from their property policies is to provide notice to those carriers. Um, First and foremost, I, I think it's important for policyholders to look at the policy language and uh, to see what notice requirements are set forth in the policy. Some policies will require immediate notice. Others will require a notice as soon as practicable. But just check the policy to make sure uh, what the notice requirement is in the policy. And oftentimes the policy will also indicate to whom notice should be given. Um, I think, though, more than just checking the policy, I think policyholders need to be strategic about um, how they give notice, even if the notice is given through their broker. What do I mean by that? I mean that uh, as the insured is considering its losses, it has to be careful and strategic in defining what the losses are in the notification process. So, for example, and Leslie was talking about the different um, possible arguments that carriers would raise. Well, it's important to first understand your policy, understand the coverages that are available, understand the exclusions that are in the policy. Because once you have understood the what I call the landmines, then you can uh, tailor the notice appropriately. Let me give you an example. So let's say your policy had a virus exclusion and the exclusion read that it did not provide coverage for business losses uh, caused by a virus. You wouldn't want to provide notice to your carrier in saying we have suffered losses due to COVID-19 because you have just um, 
given the carrier uh, an argument that uh, you have defined it in a way that walks right into the exclusion. So I think it's important to be very strategic about how you're giving notice. And um, and that's, uh, while it is the first step, it is one of the most important steps in order to uh, obtain recovery. Uh, I always suggest that, uh, the, that you be flexible as well in terms of using, using a broad language in providing notice, giving yourself flexibility in terms of the types of losses that you've suffered. Reserving also uh, in your notice to uh, provide additional information later is also a good idea. So those are some uh, suggestions, Adrian. Thanks, Ernest. Leslie, how have you seen insurers responding to notices? Have they been asking for recorded statements? And what advice have you been giving to clients about how to respond to that? And Ernest, after Leslie's done, maybe you can provide some insight as well. You know, it's interesting. It's a fast-moving situation, and I think we've seen it change over time. Some of the earliest notices, you got an immediate denial. Just no which is why you saw a smattering of suits filed all over the country where carriers had already taken the position, there's no physical damage here. Now, over the last three or four weeks, I've seen carriers change course. And now what they're doing is they're either sending you very long lists of information they want, or they are asking for someone to give a recorded statement to to answer questions. And those questions are all over the lot. And I think it's worth mentioning that in every policy, the policyholder has a duty to cooperate. So you can't just blow these things off. You got to respond to them in some kind of way. And part of how you respond is going to depend on what's in the policy. And as Ernest mentioned, that's why it's really important to know what exactly does my policy cover? How do I want to frame this when I'm answering? the questions that the carrier has for me. Obviously, it goes without saying it's important to be honest when answering the questions. But when you see a lot of these questions, they really do um, leave room for interpretation for you to ask questions back to the adjuster. And just to give you an idea of some of those, some of the questions are going to be seemingly pretty basic. What was your date of loss? Did you have to completely suspend operations or did you continue forward? What are your losses? How are you valuing those losses? What is the physical damage that you suffered? And you, before you go into a recorded statement in particular, always ask what they're going to be asking. For instance, when I've given notice on behalf of clients and carriers come back and say, present someone for a recorded statement, I always say, tell me everything you're going to ask so that I can find the right person for you. And so then you can really look at those specific questions, think about the losses your business has suffered, how you want to frame those losses in light of the policy language and move forward accordingly. Um, so that's all to say, whatever they're going to ask you, find out what it is and make sure that you understand what coverage may be available as you prepare those responses. 
Yeah, and if I could add to that, uh, that that's that's great, Leslie. I I think um, I really can't overemphasize how important it is to understand your policy before you engage in responding to questions by the insurance company. Um, Leslie pointed out, you know, there are two major hurdles or, or uh, issues that policyholders are dealing with across the, the country. One is uh, the whether there's a virus exclusion or a variant of it, and the other, whether there's physical loss. And so all of the questions, I think, or most of them, or at least most of the difficult questions from the carriers will be related to that. Uh, and know this, that even the carriers really don't um, have a clear answer of what their policy means when the policy refers to physical loss. That's the big issue in in all of the uh, attempts to get coverage under property policies for business losses flowing from COVID. So um, there's nothing wrong with, and Leslie uh, mentioned this, there's nothing wrong with asking the insurance company what they mean in their policy when they refer to physical loss, what do they mean? I had a situation where uh, that question was flipped back to the adjuster and the adjuster said, you know, that's a really good question and and proceeded to say, well, it's not defined in the policy. And therefore, you know, we can use a layman's uh, understanding of the term, a judicial interpretations of the term. So um, I think it is a good idea to flip the questions back to the adjuster. But my, my, my big point here is just know your policy, be strategic in how you're answering the questions. Thanks, Eric. So that, and I want to add a little bit to that, which I think is based upon what the current litigation is out there. I think that all corporate policyholders should be cognizant of what arguments the insurers are making in coverage litigation that's currently pending on these exact issues. Because that can be enormously insightful into understanding where the insurers are driving, how they're potentially using these recorded statements to bolster their uh, denials of coverage and their defenses. Um, and I want to spend a couple of minutes talking about the current landscape of the coverage litigation. In short, what we initially saw were coverage litigation related to what I think Leslie and Ernest refer to as the physical loss issue, right? Whether COVID-19 in and of itself could cause loss to a property. Those were a lot of the early suits, and most of them were brought by restaurateurs who were directly impacted and immediately impacted by COVID-19. The second wave of lawsuits that we're seeing now address the virus exclusion and whether the virus exclusion applies, especially since a lot of these businesses did not shut down because of the presence of COVID-19, but more because of either civil authority orders that required them to do so or preventive steps to avoid damage to their property. Those are also currently being litigated. The third wave that we've now seen, which I think really does affect a lot of corporate policyholders and corporate policyholders need to make sure that they protect their rights, is we're seeing a lot of class actions now being filed by all sorts of firms, not necessarily coverage attorneys, seeking to create classes of plaintiffs to sue specific types of insurers on these COVID-19 losses. 
Now, why is that impactful to corporate policyholders? Well, there's a couple of reasons. First, class certification takes quite some time and is typically a hotly disputed issue. And we anticipate it to be a hotly disputed issue here. So if a corporate policyholder is seeking to try to get a recovery sooner, trying to be part of the class certainly is going to be disadvantageous in many ways. Second, as is typical of class actions, the recoveries on class actions are, are typically fractions of what the losses actually suffered are. And for corporate policyholders who suffered significant monetary harm in the millions, the probability that the, the relief afforded by the class action will provide a substantial recovery is small. So for corporate policyholders, we think it's beneficial and behooves them to really watch these class actions and potentially opt out uh, in the event that they may be bound uh, by what these class actions determine. Moving on, you know, Ernest and Leslie, I know you guys have, have seen a lot of questions and a lot of insurers coming back and asking questions. You've seen a lot of denial letters. But I think one thing that, that we've all seen and need to be cognizant of is making sure, notwithstanding those denials, that we are tracking our losses for our policyholders to make sure that they, they have an accurate record. Ernest, can you talk a little bit about kind of how you've advised clients in that regard and, and what you've seen clients do? Yeah, sure. So business losses can get complicated because um, it, you're you're effectively trying to, to mine information from the company related to your lost revenue. And, uh, and, and you know, it may be coming from different departments, different locations, uh, different, different business operations. And so it's important to be gathering that information as soon as possible because it'll take some time. And eventually uh, you'll need to assemble and organize all of that information and submit it to the insurance company under what's called a proof of loss. Um, what I think policyholders should be aware of is that most policies will provide a sublimit for the cost of that claim preparation. And uh, it's usually for the purpose of retaining uh, professionals, consultants like forensic accountants who can assist you in, in gathering uh, and, and assembling and organizing all of the business financial information that you'll, you'll need to support the claim. So it's going to be important also to segregate that from, uh, you know, other, your other accounts. Uh, and a lot of, a lot of clients are already doing that. They're putting their, um, they're identifying the losses. They're putting them into maybe a separate sort of COVID-19 account and, and just keeping track of that. But um, I, I do think it's important to start early and to make use of the policy's um, uh, availability of coverage for that particular cost. Yep. And I just add to that, that not to be a broken record on the look at your policy point, but again, when you look at your policy, they can, it can provide coverage for lots of different buckets of losses. Um, lost revenues, extra expenses, um, PR costs, and that varies somewhat policy to policy. So it's important to look and make sure that you are capturing 
information on every type of loss that's recoverable under your policy. Thanks, Leslie. And I, I want to add one thing to that as well, which is, you know, a lot of times we're dealing with clients who have questions regarding whether a loss is covered or not. And I think having the advice of coverage counsel is certainly helpful there because we can certainly guide that. And we've seen a lot of that. Sometimes the answer is yes, sometimes the answer is no, but it's certainly worth in many instances at least trying to craft an argument to encompass as many losses as possible, understanding that you may get insurer pushback on what your losses are. Well, I want to thank the panel. I, I certainly appreciate Ernest and Leslie doing this. Um, Gil, I want to hand it back over to you, but we appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Adrian, Leslie, and Ernest for that insightful look at a challenging topic. Even we lawyers find insurance policy coverage a difficult task to understand and strategize, at least those of us who aren't insurance lawyers, which is why having experience in this field is indispensable. Your explanations, pointers help us to understand the issues and help all of us hopefully to level the playing field. And thank you to our listeners for joining our COVID-19 podcast series. If you would like to hear more on this topic, please access our website for a replay of our webinar on this topic held earlier this week. Those of you who regularly attend our podcast webinars know that we also completed a three-part webinar series and companion podcasts on the challenges on reopening for business, all done, uh, completed last week. We're going to return our, re our podcast focus to this topic next week with an important industry guest, so please join us. Our weekly webinar topic next Tuesday at a special time, one hour later than usual, will focus on the healthcare industry. So join us for that as well. As a reminder, you can find our podcasts, webinars, and other content, including over 170 summaries and updates on legal issues relating to the post-COVID world at HaynesBoone.com, H-A-Y-N-E-S-B-O-O-N-E.com. You can also find our podcasts on most major platforms. Please also feel free to reach out to me or to Nathan Koppel, our media director, if you have any suggestions for further podcast topics. Thank you all for attending. Take care all and good night.